This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, and this is episode 51 of Militantly Mixed. We are a week away from the anniversary episode, so I'm excited about that. I am coming at you right now at 3.39 a.m., wee hours of the night because I cannot sleep. My uh, my insomnia is raging right now. My brain won't shut up. So I decided to use this opportunity to be more productive instead of just laying in bed, wide awake, tossing and turning. <sighs> so a couple things I got going on in my life at the moment. Uh, if you've been with me for a minute, you know that I was working at a really toxic job. And so I started looking for something new and I found something. And so I gave notice at um, my toxic job and I started a new job about two and a half weeks ago and as of last Friday I'm unemployed (laughs) god damn it so this job I thought I was pretty thorough about investigating this position I had interviews with five different people I had asked very specific questions about like the atmosphere the environment the treatment of people uh there was a few things that I really liked about the company that Most of the people that worked there commuted from like two hours away just because they really liked the work environment and things like that. And coming from the toxic environment I was at, I thought, awesome. You know, that really says a lot about a company. Maybe in hindsight, I'm not really quite sure, but there was definitely a miscommunication about what the job was and what I was willing to do. The job that was sold to me and the job that it actually was, two different jobs which is kind of crazy that after talking to five people, we couldn't nail this down a little bit more. But really, it was just two people primarily that were going to be the ones that um, could answer the questions I had. And unfortunately, in one case, there was a slight language barrier, I think was part of the miscommunication. And the other part, I can't tell if they were just so desperate to get somebody in that they were selling something different. And so there was a pretty significant miscommunication in if they had been clearer, I would not have actually accepted the job. But because that wasn't the case, I accepted the job and um, it was pretty quick that I wasn't too thrilled with it, but I was still doing my work. I was grinding. I was doing my work. So it was a kind of a mess. Um, I don't really hold any hard feelings too much besides the fact that I'm unemployed and I don't know if I'll be able to make rent next month. But like the environment, I really liked the environment. The people were really nice and everything like that. So atmospherically, it was what they sold in the interviews. The five people were right in terms of the atmosphere. The job though, the actual duties did not, was not sold to me correctly. And I really wouldn't have taken that job if I had known what the job was actually going to be. So unfortunately the job wasn't a fit for me and I wasn't a fit for it. And so after my 12th day, I was let go, which has never happened to me before. (sighs) So unfortunately I'm in a really scary situation. I am the breadwinner, primary breadwinner of our family, which really sucks when I'm trying to start a new business because regardless 
of what I want to do with my life because I'm the primary breadwinner. I don't get to just pull that band-aid off, quit my job, and start doing the main hustle media full-time. Even though I consider this my main hustle, not just in, in title, but in actual my efforts, my personal efforts, the company's not far enough along so that I can do this full-time yet. And my husband is an adjunct professor whose load has recently been reduced at the school he's teaching at. And so ultimately it will fall to me to step up and find something that will allow us to survive. But for the first time in my life, I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to because I want to be able to do this business and actually put in the amount of effort and care that it will take to be able to launch this as a legitimate full-time enterprise. It's not just the podcasting that I want to do, but it's it's producing, it's uh, making my services available to help other people create content and and a few other things that I really want to be able to put together an investment package and start seeking out um, venture capitalist investments to start this business. And uh, I now have the time to be able to devote that into, but I don't technically have the time because like I said, I don't know if I'll be able to make rent this month. Um, So it's a very scary time. I'm not in a very good place at the moment. And on top of it, you know, I've been fighting major depression ever since my cat died earlier this year. I've got another cat that is sick. And the day after I was let go, he also had a pretty violent, um, part of his, part of his illness. He had a really violent reaction and it was terrifying to know that I had lost my job, didn't know if I was going to be able to pay rent. And then on top of it, I don't think I'll be able to continue his care at the level he needs to have it. And so I'm feeling pretty failure-y, I guess, at the moment. That's life. Um, 41 years old, have had really big success in my career in other places, but ever since I moved to LA, my professional success working for other people hasn't been like it's been in other places. And I think um, part of that, which I mentioned on Blurred Comics the other day, was that I know what I want to do and I actually have the skills to pull off what I want to do if I'm given enough time and money to be able to do it. And so I'm not professionally thriving because I don't want to be working in the professions that I've been working in. I don't want to keep using my labor to make other people rich. I would like to make Well, more correctly, I'm tired of using my labor to keep rich people rich. I would rather use my labor to create content, like POC-created content. I want to be able to produce POC-created content for others and hopefully with my efforts make people successful. That's what I want to do. And I'm in this weird place right now where I now have the opportunity because I've been let go from my job to try to do that. But I have a very limited amount of time until I can come up with the money to pay my rent just for July. So life is shitty at the moment. (sighs) One positive thing though is that because of the sponsorship that I received through Patreon, I at least know that the show will go on. So, you know, my labor is free no matter what for the show because this is my medicine. This is something that gives me life to be able to do. So I will continue to produce the show. The problem is with my finances right now, would I be able to continue to put the show up? And with the funds that I get from the sponsorship through Patreon, I at least know that the show will be hosted. I will be able to host my audio file online so that you can have access to it. So that's what's wonderful. And I did pick up two other sponsors over the last couple of weeks, which I've mentioned. 
So it's nice to know that people are still listening and they hear me mention the sponsorship and they can get, they can contribute. Um, I mean, really, honestly, if every person who listens to the show even contributed $1 a month, I would be able to develop this company a little bit further. Um, but, you know, that's the podcast game. It's free entertainment unless you decide to sponsor. And I've been so grateful to the sponsors that I've had and some of the sponsors I've had almost since at least over the last 11 months, if not the full 12. So coming into the anniversary, I've been able to maintain some of the sponsors that started with me from the beginning and pick up new ones. And that is amazing. So I'm really excited about that. But my future being what it is at the moment, um, hopefully I'll be able to keep doing the show, you know. Obviously, I don't want to stop and I, I don't intend to stop, but, you know, finances being what they are, who knows what will happen. So I'm going to hope to keep it going. I'm intending to keep it going. I actually have a number of really good episodes coming up in terms of the interviews that I've done recently. So I'm looking forward to what you're going to hear in July because I've already recorded some of those and they're great, including the one I'm just going to share with you today. But I also need to figure out a hustle, a rent hustle. a a bills hustle at the moment so that's kind of what's going on in my life right now terrified that I'm going to lose another cat to old age and illness terrified I'm not going to be able to pay the rent terrified I'm not going to be able to put in the effort to do the show because depression is knocking at my door pretty heavily because I'm I'm terrified right now I have a very difficult path ahead so we'll see what happens on a positive note though I am releasing a new show starting on Friday June 29th going to be releasing by furious with mixed girl main uh i've decided to add it as a an additional show to the network primarily because most of the questions that i get if they're not specific to mixed raceness and coming on the show the other questions that i get all the time have to do with my polyamory and being a person on the lgbtq plus spectrum and i have been asked a number of times you know could i incorporate something into militantly mixed and unless the guest is actually LGBTQ plus and mixed race, it doesn't make sense to really interrupt the flow of the show or the expectations of, of what you're wanting out of the show to incorporate that if it doesn't really have to do with like militantly mixed, it is built around mixed raceness. So I decided to add another show to the network and I'm looking forward to it. Um, sometimes it's going to be about topical issues as it pertains to LGBTQ plus people. Sometimes it's going to be interviews of guests and things like that, but I'm going to play the promo for you right here and then it'll launch on Friday, January 28th. I have already received one sponsor for that show, which is amazing because it's not even out, only the promo. So, you know, that feels good to know that I already have the support of people who have been wanting to hear more about POC LGBTQ plusness, I guess, really. So here's that promo. Hey y'all, it's your girl Charmaine Fury, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist podcaster in this podcasting game. And I am here to announce my new show on the Maine Hustle Media Podcast Network, By Furious with Mixed Girl Maine. By Furious is a podcast about sex and sexuality, gender, lifestyles, and love styles. It's a safe space podcast for all of us intersectional folks out there that just want to let our queer flags fly without having to fall into a particular group, mold, or label. By Furious will be a bi-monthly, see what I did there, show hosted on the Anchor podcasting platform. Our first show will air on June 28th, just in time for the end of Pride Month. If you like me on Militantly Mixed and Blurred Comics, you'll love me on By Furious. Stay tuned, and we'll see you on June 28th. Peace, y'all. All right, so that's uh, By Furious. I'm actually doing that on the Anchor 
uh, podcasting website. So it's actually something that's it's free to host, which is different than how I host Militantly Mix. I do that through Libsyn. I don't really want to change Libsyn for Militantly Mix because I have a year's worth of uh, statistics and analytics and things like that that are stuck with the show um, that I would lose if I cross it over. So I'd rather leave Militantly Mix where it is. But By Furious is going to be launched on the Anchor network. And with the Anchor, there's ad revenue and things like that that I could potentially generate in addition to actually getting sponsors directly on the Anchor app for that show. In terms of sponsorship, continued sponsorship for Militantly Mixed, as always, you can sponsor the show through patreon.com slash Militantly Mixed, as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There are different reward levels depending on what you choose to subscribe at. And sometimes you have early access or exclusive access to content. There's swag, things like that. And that really does help keep the show going. Absolutely does, especially now that I don't have income. It is going to keep the file hosted so that you'll always be able to hear it. The other way that you can donate to Militantly Mixed is through paypal.me slash Militantly Mixed. And usually the way I handle the PayPal sponsorship is that that helps improve equipment or it allows me to pick up more swag or it allows me to promote the show, you know, do online advertising for the show, things like that. But if we do get one-time only donations through PayPal, that's usually what I do. I, it's for extras. It's for the the extra things that will improve the show, whereas the Patreon is actually for the maintenance and logistics of keeping the show going. So if you would uh, like to contribute to the show, if you do feel like you're getting something out of this show every week, you can start at a dollar and check it out. You can increase it as you wish, or you can start in at the, I think I have $3, $5, $10, $20, $25 levels. But sponsoring the show does help keep us going and it keeps us growing. It also, anytime you subscribe, rate, review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, we're now on iHeartRadio as well. It it bumps us up so it makes us more visible to people. These are the ways that you can help sponsor the show either free or with financial sponsorship. And don't forget to follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. And on Facebook is where you can really, really engage. Not, I mean, I get more engagement directed to me privately, either through emails or DMs. But on the Facebook page, that's actually for all of us to engage. I post a lot of articles about mixed raceness or, or race in general. Sometimes I get some folks that have been, you know, commenting and things like that, but it's really, it's really for the whole community to participate. So if someone comments, feel free to comment back. I'm also there at presence on there as well, commenting, but it's really, that space is designed to be the extension community of what we're doing here on the show. So please start to engage on there a little bit more. If you do want to start connecting with mixed race people, that is a way to do it. So go ahead and go to facebook.com slash mix, like that page, and then start engaging with everybody. All right. I know this opener was a little bit heavy because of my own personal things and what I got going on. Sorry about that. But I am excited about this today's guest. My guest today is Olivia. She is a student in Ohio. She came to me based off of the white presenting episodes, and which I think is very strange because I don't actually perceive her as presenting white, but I guess where she lives, people do perceive her as um, primarily white passing. So she's in the kind of that space where she's dealing with her identity and trying to deal with uh, feeling comfortable within her mixedness. And it kind of, you know, she's in those stages of the journeys where it's going back and forth. Sometimes it's okay, sometimes not okay, things like that. 
So when we connected, we had a really great pre-screen discussion where it was probably what seems to be the first time in her life that she was engaging with a mixed person she wasn't related to, maybe, where or having a conversation about mixedness where she didn't have to constantly explain to me the context of mixedness, you know, because I got that. I got that shit going on too. And so by the time we actually got to record this interview, which you're about to hear, you know, she was more relaxed. She was excited and ready to share her experience. And it really, I really does show. I'm so excited to have gotten the opportunity to chat with someone like Olivia that's in the position that she's in now in her identity. You know, this show, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or a 60 year old or a 41 year old like myself, 30 year old or 25 year old starting out we're always dealing with our mixedness. We, you know, sometimes we feel comfortable and confident and we're living our mixed ass lives. And sometimes we are questioning certain elements of us. I even had something last week that made me kind of question how I felt about my identity uh, when I'm in a black celebration that is primarily white attended. It, it put me into, it put me into, I had to think about it. I had, I had some feelings. So, um, which I do talk about on Blurred Comics from last week's. If you if you want to hear that episode, it's that one's called "Fuck It Forties and Juneteenth. Yeah, I combated an issue on that on that episode in terms of my mixedness. So you know, it's a journey. We are always combating issues related to our mixedness. And what I love about this show is that it exposes me to what everybody else is combating, not just what I've been dealing with. It opens my mind up. To, it shows me biases that I didn't realize I had. It helps me improve myself, and also it validates my feelings about myself sometimes. I hope the show does that for you as well. I definitely can tell that it does to the people who contact me, but for the rest of y'all out there that I have not heard from yet, I do hope that it is doing that for you as well. All right, so without further ado, this is a long intro. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump over to this week's episode with Olivia, and then when we come back next week, we will be celebrating Militantly Mixed's first anniversary. If you do have anything you want to say about the show that you would like to have included on next week's episode, you can hit me up on any of the social media, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Militantly Mix, or you can email me directly, Charmaine at MilitantlyMix.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, at MilitantlyMix.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail on our Skype phone number, which is 323-545-6001. Let us know how the show has affected you over the last year, and I will include it on next week's episode. All right, y'all. Here's my discussion with Olivia. All right, so my guest this week is Olivia, and we connected through, I think it was Instagram. Olivia, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, and let's get into it. Hey, guys. My name's Olivia. I'm from Ohio. My dad is black. My mom is white. I'm the oldest of two siblings, and yeah, that's it. (laughs) Um, All right, so when we started talking, you first reached out because you connected with one of the white presenting episodes. Is that Was that one of the ones that you grabbed Um, on first? 
I believe it was with B. Um, I think that was right, the right. episode. Yeah, that was for sure. Um, and it was the first podcast I had listened to. Um, I just kind of like scrolled through them just to see like if there were any that like really stuck out to me. And I was kind of struggling that week with being mixed. I just had like some people say some stuff to me and like I was really sad about like not really looking or like presenting to be mixed to some people. And so like I clicked on that one right away and not even like 10 minutes in, I was like, holy cow, someone else gets it. Like Mm. they understand the struggle. They understand what I'm going through. And I just remember calling my sister hysterical, like crying just because it was the first time that I felt like someone understood the struggle of what it's like to be mixed. Right. And it's so wild when you when you sent your message to me, I had read it before I looked at your photos and and I was just like, oh, man, I'm so I've been making this joke kind of with my with my friends or with people who've been on the show uh, where it's like I don't know how it happened but I've accidentally become like the Pied Piper of white presenting mixed folks because (laughs) I'm like the only place that you can find like you know there's some blog posts here and there but there's not like a whole bunch of information about what it's like to be a white presenting mixed person and so y'all are flocking to me like crazy and then I read your thing. And so I was just like, okay, great. You know, this is what we're going to we're going to get into. We're going to talk about it. And then I started looking at your photos. And I was like, wait, what? You're white presenting. So I don't see it. But I know that I'm mixed and I have, a you know, radar for other mixed folks. Yes. yes. But like that radar <laughs> you're like, I know you're mixed. But I you're don't just know like, there's a mixed person. <laughs> you're there. But like, to me, you look like a light skinned black girl. To me. It's such a nice compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so I get it. You're you're in Ohio. You're around probably a predominantly a white people. area, and mm-hmm. so and you are light skin, super duper light skin. Copy that. I understand. But your face <laughs> and your hair, like I see a I see a black girl. I don't know. That's me. But let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about what it's like for you to be. I guess I'm going to say ambiguously white presenting, but that's because of my own, my own Um, perspective. So I like when I was younger growing up, we never really like talked about it. I feel like as a kid, it's kind of like blissfully ignorant, as we say, my parents never really pushed it on us, which we talk about that a lot now with our family, where I'm just so thankful that they never were like, my dad's black, my mom's white, here's what the world's going to show you. It was like, hey, you're going to grow up with these struggles. And like, as they presented themselves, we kind of talked about them. But it was nothing that was like forced on to me to be like, this is the struggle. This is how life is move on and like, kind of grow up with that. So it was never negative, I guess that's the best way I could say it. I never realized it until I was in second or third grade. I can't remember the grade specifically. I just remember being at the lunch table with this girl. And I grew up in a predominantly white city, predominantly white school district, hung around my mom's family more so-ish just because we'll get into that later. But my dad's family is kind of like all over the United States. But I will say this girl called me the N-word and I like never had heard it before. Mm. And it was like the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, this is probably something that's negative. But I like knew it was bad, but I didn't know why it was bad. But I just had this really gut wrenching feeling like I almost felt sick. Right. And it just stuck with me all day. And there is one other black girl at the table who um, she was mixed as well. But at that time, we all kind of like didn't identify as whatever, like being mixed. But like when you're from a predominantly white school, everybody kind of identifies you as being black. Right. And I just remember she made eye contact with me and we both just looked at each other and her jaw dropped. And she was like, you have to tell your parents about this. And I came home and my dad sat me down and was like, gave me the little quote. I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt where it's like, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And like, 
as a little kid, you don't understand it. You're like, okay, no one can make me feel bad about myself. But then you realize it really does have a lot of meaning where you're like, holy cow. <laughs> you like think about it from the mm. perspective of being mixed. And like, I'm 23, I'll be 24 this year. And you don't realize that for me, I guess the struggle and like looking back on that specific moment was I was always the negative because I feel like we do. Like I'm, I can speak on that where we have a race issue in this country. And like, I feel like I'm more willing to say that than like a white person would, because I've gotten to see those negatives in life, but I will just never forget that one specific moment where it was like, you're only a negative. I only see you as a negative. I don't see you as mixed and beautiful and proud of who you are. And like all these amazing experiences and like, to this day, like if I ever have something that like someone will be like, oh, well, you don't look black or you don't speak black or whatever else. I always remember that moment after that. Where, right. Like, that was the first time. Yeah. And I have so. I don't know what it is about that age because the same thing I, for me, it was third grade and it was the same type of thing. Like yeah. I had a little white girl point out that she couldn't be my friend anymore because my dad was a nigger. And you're just like, OK, mm-hmm. you know, what's that? And then and I it, go like, home. Makes your heart stop and you're just like. You just can't even believe it. And I remember my best friend, actually, I was her maid of honor in her wedding and our entire like friendship. I met her in second grade. So it was around the same time. And I was never allowed to go to her dad's house. And he was a police officer and Mm. um, a pretty big, I'm from like a pretty big town. Like, so I'm a suburb of Toledo and he was a police officer. So all he saw was stereotypes of black people. And I was never allowed at her house. Wow. And the day that she got married, he just like apologized and was like, I'm so thankful for your friendship and I'm thankful you guys stuck around, but it took him that long. Like 20 years? <laughs> to say something to me. Yeah. That's to wild. say something. That, I have feelings about that, but I'll tape it. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, part of you wants to be like, well, good, you got there. But the other part wants to be like, 20 years, motherfucker? Like, and, and also, like, you're the adult in the situation. You know? Like, my dad never did anything wrong. Like, he's, like, one of the best men I've ever met in my entire life. Like, and you're just, like, you're just assuming he's that way because of the people that you work with. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's that's insane. But you know, I, I I think that 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 is a that's just a thing like for whatever reason, whoever is the first person that gives us that dose of you're different from me. And because of that, you're bad. It really does take who, you know, luckily, I think in both yours, in my case, we had a parent or parents that explained it in a way that helped us get to the next spot. In my case, you know, my mother, well, one, my mother's ready to fight any single person that ever tries <laughs> to do anything. And she definitely tried. But she also explained to me, like, this is a word that people use, that bad people use against brown people, and there's no reason for it. Don't believe it. You know, just, it's a good thing you know now, because then you're not friends with someone who's bad, you know? So I basically, I I got to go through life being like, okay, there's people who are going to not like me because of this, but that doesn't mean I'm bad. And and I think, you know, especially with that with that quote that, that your dad gave you, that's that's an important part of the mixed race journey, right, is feeling not enough, you know, and then if we're not enough of what are we? And I think some of us are continuing to answer that question for the whole of our mixed race exi- existence. Um, I think it's every day, like there, every day you don't I don't think you have intentions to think about it. It just kind of is like a subconscious thought where it's like something sparks your thought where it's like something happened, someone says something to you, or it's just like you start to notice people more. Like that's been my thing lately. It's mm. like I've just started to notice my surroundings more where I'm like, would I fit in that with that group? Would they accept me? Are they going to notice that I mix? Stuff like that. Yeah. And even for me, like a, a person who does 
a couple of podcasts about being mixed race and and more than that just like walks around as like the the mixtiest mixed person that there can be yeah. and then I'm having a conversation on my other show Blurred Comics with my co-host and he's mixed black too and and we were talking about the Juneteenth celebration that I went to last year that was predominantly white versus the one I went to this year which was predominantly black and he had asked yeah. me you know well what was your feelings about being around more the white version of that and my response was surprising to me because I've discovered in the moment that I did definitely feel like white people made me more obvious as mixed than if if no white people were there. And so I was almost kind of mad that there were white people, so many white people there because it, you know, flashed attention on me, I think. Makes you stick out. Yeah. 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 And I like to blend. And oddly enough, even though I'm yellow... I can walk through an, a predominantly black space and mostly blend. Mostly I'm yes. spoken to like I'm a full black person and no one, you know, maybe someone will note my mixedness or ask me what I'm mixed with. But primarily in a, in a full black space, I'm just black. I'm just accepted as black, even though I look the way that I do, which is a whole nother reason why this uh, experience that I'm having with white presenting folks on my show is like, I look yeah, like yellow and you know and i i end up giving a pass that you don't get and to me like you look more you have more of the familiar symptoms of if i'm not if i'm not looking directly at you and you just walk past me i'm gonna it's in my head i'm gonna be like light skinned black girl just walk past me you know but then when we talked you know you 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 did point out you know you do have like straighter features and things like that and you had you had Mm -hmm. you know desires about about what you could look like if you presented more black and stuff like that i've gone through it still go through it still wish i was darker the whole thing so i i get all of that but it's weird to think that there are times even now that i allow someone else's presence or opinions to get in there for a second you know like and then i gotta deal with that yeah that's like my biggest struggle is like trying to not be concerned with what other people think but yeah it's so hard because i feel like especially being mixed and you can speak on it like you can tell me if i'm wrong i feel like i notice people staring more like that's my thing it's like they're trying to figure out what you are because you're not presenting to what they think as my dad used to say like you're not fitting into a box that they want you to fit into right. so they're trying to figure it out so they stare and it's just like you feel your like you feel the eyes on you more than like someone who's full white or full black would feel. No, I agree with that. And and there are times when, you know, maybe there could be an argument for you just think you're being stared at because you're paranoid or whatever in some cases, yeah. but but it's hap- it's too many times. I'm, you know, I'm sitting there eating lunch with a family member and someone walks up and just sits down and asks me what I am. Like that's literally happened before. So often. I think the other thing with me too is um the one that I've struggled with the most is I see it more often because my sister and I are so different looking. Oh, you do. You like present she, different. Her hair is like, like fro curly, like, mm. like completely different. Like if she jumps into a pool and gets out, her hair is still curly. Whereas if I jump into a pool and get out, my hair is straight. And then like, I have to dry it to make it curly again. Oh, really? Yeah. Like her nose is like, definitely looks a lot more like my dad and just her skin is darker and just, so I think I constantly have that comparison to mm. where like we never talked about it and like we never had issues, but then we start to notice it more where like she can wear braids and like, or she chooses to wear braids. I could if I wanted to, but like, I just don't choose that, you know? And like, she can, she'll wear braids and like, I don't know. I feel like 
not that like people accept her more for being black, but like her skin gets darker a lot faster. Like we just came back from Florida and like her skin got a lot darker than mine did. Like, mm. We were out in the sun the same amount of time. So it's like, I constantly have that reminder of like, I could have been that if that makes sense. And like, that was something I struggled with for a while, but right. like, at the same time, I also never really paid attention to it until other people brought it to our attention. Right. That's interesting that, that you have those different presentations. So my brother and I also, we, I don't think we look like siblings. I think we look more like we could be cousins because I have cousins That's who actually, <laughs> uh, like I have a cousin who looks like he could be the more light skinned black version of me. We, we, and they've made jokes as we were kids that we were the twin cousins, whereas my Daddy. full brother and I don't look the same. He's yeah, darker yeah. and he has the curlier hair. Not black hair, but curly, you know, yeah. he relaxes it. I used to get perms, you know, like I was oh, paler. Yeah. He was darker. I yeah. wish I was darker. He wishes he was paler, you know, so we, yeah. I mean, I was about to say these words, but yeah, I'm, I'll own it. Luckily, I came, I came out with the black features and he came out with the white features. And since I identify, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as since I identify more black. I'm, you know, great. I'm glad I have this face that I have. And since he identifies more white, I'm sure he's glad he has the face that he has. But we can't talk about it. Like, he's very uncomfortable. You wouldn't know that we grew up in the same household. He's white and I'm black. And our our names are reflective of that. I have a more black sounding name and he has a more yeah. white sounding name. So there's all these elements that you wonder, like, what went into us feeling the way that we do about our racial identity and, and things right. like that. But then on top of it, how other people would perceive us. My brother didn't like that I would live out loud in my mixedness because then that means his friends would figure out what he was. And so he didn't okay. want me around if his friends were around because right. how are you going to hide that he's black if his sister's like, my name is Charmaine Latrice. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah, like, actually something's different. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it, it's interesting how not not just the sibling presentation, but this but also the sibling experience. And you say you don't talk that often about it, like about whether or not think, your sister I feels. I think we've always kind of like there's always been like that underlying, like, you know, like it's like the other mixed person. I can imagine being an only child in this world. Just because the struggle is real and I just feel like it's more people are like more open to talk to you about it now which is like kind of bizarre to me I've had more people come up and ask me what I am in the past couple of years than like any other time in my life which is so oh really yeah I just feel like I don't know I don't know if it's just like because I'm at a big university I don't know if it's just like who am I around but I've had more experiences now where people would be like are you mixed with something like you're mm. black but, like I know you're mixed with something and like I think it's just kind of like that secret like the sibling where it's like you know you can talk to each other about it and like I have comfort in knowing that but not until like a couple of years that we really like so-and-so said this today and like you would not believe how they said it and like mm. someone tried to touch my hair but also like I will say a lot of people on like my mom's side of the family have like they this has nothing to do with like religious views this is just my my story so I like want to say that beforehand mm. people think it's like it's this way or the highway but um my mom's family is raised super catholic um the motto is like get married and have kids type of vibe and um my parents got engaged when they were like 18 years old. They were going to get married like two years later. And her parents kept telling them to wait just because like my dad was black. Like they mm -hmm. didn't agree with it. Right. My mom got a lot of slack for it. And so like family functions have not been like an enjoyable time just because that was like our first interaction with racism. Right. But because it's family, they feel like they can get away with it. And mm -hmm. so I think because of those experiences, like every time we would go to 
Christmas or Easter or anything like that, we would always have this one aunt that would come up and smell Victoria's hair. That's my sister's name. And like, she'd be like, smell her hair. Yeah. She'd be like, "Mm, your hair smells like coconut oil or cocoa butter today. Like it would always be those two. And like, as a kid, you like, don't, you You don't understand. Yeah. Feeling from the first time when I was in third grade where you're like, this is making my stomach hurt. I feel uncomfortable. I don't like this. But as a kid, you're like, oh, that's weird. And then you get older and you're like, that is racism. That Mm -hmm. is not okay. Like that is not appropriate. And so I think because of those experiences, because there's been a lot more, <laughs> I think that my sister and I like kind of have that underlying, like, we're kind of like bonded in that where it's like, we would always go over, we could, <laughs> we could be at each other's throats before we would go to family functions, at, like on my mom's side. And the second we walked in, we'd be like hugging each other, sitting on top of each other, like, <laughs> not wanting to talk to anybody because we're like, it's just us two. Like, we don't yeah. have anybody else. We have to like kind of connect and like be close to each other. But yeah, it was rough. It was definitely probably like now that I'm older, I reflect on it because I choose not to go over there. But right. Wow. <laughs> I like I just I started going to therapy like probably a couple months ago. And like I remember telling her some of the stuff that like my mom's family had said or like done. And she like her jaw dropped. She was mm-hmm. just so surprised. And she was just like, are you kidding me? Like, that's like not okay. And I was just like, I mean, but like, to me, I just thought that was like, that's kind of the price you pay for being mixed, you know, mm-hmm. and like, not realizing that like, that's actually very racist and very disrespectful. And like, you shouldn't be treating family like that. And it was just because my dad was black. Right. Did, can I ask, is your therapist a person of color? Yes. That's <laughs> I don't awesome. I think I could have done it any other way. Yeah, me. no, that's great. I have <laughs> n- not been that lucky in my searches. I've I've found therapists that I've liked, but always therapists that I have to explain the context of being a person of color to, um, yes. which, you know, takes up a whole bunch of that $100 an hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm lucky enough to have it through our school right now, which is super nice, but mm. I definitely will. I think I like I know I for sure will continue it after school is done just because I feel like it's kind of like a debrief. Like you literally just get to explain how you feel. And I know that like, I will say after I talked to you, I went in and I was talking to her and I just was, she told me that I looked like I was glowing and I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I I mean, I do have something to tell you. And she's like, you just look like you're glowing. Mm. What happened? And I was like, I have had my first interaction like true, like I felt like I connected with someone interaction that is also mixed and I'm just so happy. <laughs> and like, I have never felt like that with anybody else. And like, I just honestly feel like it was because like, we're both mixed and you kind of understand it. And yeah. she's just like, that's how it feels to like, know that someone else is black. That's what it feels like. She's like, you don't have to talk about like someone else being white, but like, that's what it feels like to have like your own knit group. Like that's like, it's your people, you know? Yeah. Just, like, I just felt like almost like, <laughs> It was just like such a like euphoric experience. Like I know that sounds super weird. People are, it like, doesn't. <laughs> it sounds bizarre, but like as a mixed person to like know that there's other people out there like you, you feel comforted by that. But knowing that you can talk to them and like having a conversation with them is a completely different experience. Second, I, you got on the phone. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's someone out there just like me. <laughs> I'm super happy about this. And I remember telling my sister on the phone, I was like, this is such a cool experience. I got to talk to someone that's like us and like. She understood the struggle, but yeah, no, that's the, it is different. And, you know, there's been times when I've talked to, you know, white people, like, well, black people, it's usually easier to cross, like some of the mixed issues crosses easier on the black side, because it's just like, you just know, when someone comes up to you and says something ignorant, and you're like, yeah, we we've all dealt with that kind of thing. 
But then separate from that, as mixed people trying to, again, explain to a black person, I go, yeah, but think about like, I get that from this side and that side and that side, you know, like whatever. I get it from all All sides. All the different sides that you're mixed with. And you talk to a mixed person and you're just like, you know, I'm having a white day (laughs) or, you know, like whatever it is, like I'm having a a breath of fresh air. You don't have to justify who you are. I think that was the biggest thing was like, I didn't have to like, I wasn't having a conversation with someone and I right away had to be like my dad's black my mom's white that's why I look this way it was Mm. like hey how are you what's your name nice to meet you yeah it was like jumping into the conversation where before it's like anytime you have a conversation with someone that you've never met it's like you constantly have to you gotta put forward your credentials I feel like me personally it's like I'm either on on edge or I'm just like I'm waiting for someone to say something me too. And I'm like, there's times when because I'm also a geek that I'll sit here and be like, I wish I, we were just implanted with heads up displays. And you would look at someone and it'd be like, mixed race sensitive, don't ask the question, you know, whatever the fuck, like, just leave me alone sometimes. And like, let me be regular that shirt that was like, I remember telling I think I told my sister. I wish we just had shirts that was like, my mom's white, my dad's black, keep moving. Like, you, just, like, <laughs> you don't need to ask. Like, it's not your business. Like, if that's what you're going to ask, I don't need to have a conversation today. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh gosh, there's sometimes it just sucks so hard. And there's times when you can see it coming in slow motion where you're just like, yeah. this person, like, I'm about to check out at the grocery store and this person's going to ask me where I'm from and why do I look this way and who's, which one is the whatever their curiosity is so uh, you know you get the well which one's the white one or which one's the asian like the worst the most gross question that i've gotten recently about my asianness was um it did i have a proper japanese mother and was i a proper asian wife are you serious yeah people are gross people are so so gross the thing that like makes me angry the most is like I I will say truthfully, I've never had an experience with a black person that has told me like to like directly to me that like you can't be mixed, you can't identify with this, you're not black. Like I feel like they are more willing to embrace it because they understand their struggle mm. because it is a different struggle. Mm. But that being said, I feel like you connect or I connect at least a little bit more with the black side in that aspect Mm -hmm. because there's someone out there that understands the struggle kind of like what you said where like they understand those ignorant comments where like you can relate to that where like a white person might not necessarily understand like hey by the way like that's not okay for someone to touch my hair that's not okay for someone to make that comment that like I only smell like cocoa butter like that's right completely unacceptable and like completely uncalled for like just because you're in that position of power so to speak like that doesn't give perceived power okay yeah like and I feel like that's the other thing is like I will say I have had interactions with white people where they just don't understand or they just genuinely don't recognize that it's like it's racist or it's unacceptable right because they they've never had to be in that position where like that is privilege like that's privilege in itself because you've never had to learn it mm-hmm. and it's so oh gosh it's so infuriating too because I've attempted to have those same kind of conversations with white people like white people that I'm close to I'll maybe try to talk about it in a way that's presumptuous on my part where I'm like you, you know how when someone just looks at you and they're like well where why do you brown hair and why do you have ye- ye- yellow hair? Like I'm trying to yeah. put it in context for them or whatever. And they just don't walk around, or at least I've not encountered a person, a white person who walks around with the experience of someone trying to pinpoint where their whiteness comes from. So ever, ever. because well, one, I feel like they kind of already know because of that. Well, my dad came on a boat from wherever, like we've had family from here. Like I know that like my mom's side 
was when we were younger it was like because you are mixed you kind of get that experience of like your dad's black your mom's white but like it was like your mom's side is like irish german polish like you got all those experiences where it was like they would tell you like what you were mm-hmm. is from what side and like your ancestors from all those different places were like my dad said like i just knew that like he would always be like we're african-american and you have some native american in you and, like, yeah that's it but like you don't know like like you're saying i'm african-american so like if i'm black like where are we from like yeah. where does that trace back to and like i know i have an aunt on my dad's side aunts and uncles um that have been kind of like digging deeper into that which like i was like oh that's kind of annoying like why is that a big deal like why do they need my 23 and me but then i was like i appreciate it so much because it's it is a struggle like i had kind of when you're we talking before just kind of like i said like i looked at the 23 and me and i was like oh that's cool and i remember my parents were like, are you sure you want to do this like this might be life-changing i'm like oh no it's not i'm just looking to see like not that sure i know what i am and then it came back and i got all the different little countries that my dad's side was from and like every day like two weeks i would just look at different places <laughs> and like look up the people that were from there and i would try to see if i had like similar facial features or like if any of them looked like my dad because i was like oh my gosh like i actually do care about this like this is something that like i identify it with and like i want to know more about and like i never really felt that way before i was just like oh my dad's black my mom's white whatever but i started recognizing that like i was getting that from my mom's side where like i knew where their ancestors were from and i never really had that with my dad and i was like, oh my gosh like i really do care about this a lot i want to yeah. know more but and the thing is weeks, I was like obsessed with is when you realize because you don't have access to the information you yes. need the information whereas the yeah. side of the family where the information probably is present it's like, well, I could get it at any time. So I, my curiosity doesn't necessarily have to be heightened. And for I was telling you from my experience of it, I, I didn't do Ancestry or 23andMe first. I did African Ancestry first. And the reason why is because, like, I roughly know about my whiteness. You know, like, I know, even though that's the least influence in my life or, or the fewer amount of family members in my in my life have been white, I, that shit is put forward. I have a immigrant grandmother from England, so I got it, you know. And then on my mom's side, they're like West Virginian, Appalachian, German, Irish, you know, inbred folks. Got it. That's all I need to know. You know, like I don't I don't have a whole lot of curiosity. And yeah, so like it's already set it's already set out there for you. Yeah. It's like put put forward. And then the other side, my my Japanese grandmother, she's from Japan. Boom. Got that. Really clear that if I wanted to have more information, I could find it. But on the right. black side, I can only go back as far back as my granddad could remember the name of somebody. You know, and this is pre-internet. This is like seventh grade when I start asking these questions. And right. and my granddad was a liar. So he just filled up my brain with all these stories that, that actually were oddly really empowering. It was like, you, you know, my great grandmother came over on a covered wagon by herself with six kids. And, you know, she was the last one born outside of slavery and all this stuff. Like, he gave me all these stories. And I've been yeah. running those stories forever. And then I connected with a cousin uh, who's someone who's actually my dad's first cousin, but I've, I've never known her growing up. And she's sort of the family genealogist. And so she started asking me for details that I knew so that she could piece it into our family tree. And the same thing like you, you're like, well, gosh, like, I don't even know you You're just, you know, roll up on me and ask me some questions. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then afterwards, you're thinking, you know what, white people probably have this if they want to, but we don't. So it was like, yeah, let's talk. I want to know. And so I started to tell her what I knew. And she's like, oh, because my grandfather, who, who my grandfather was, she's like, oh, Harold. Oh, yeah, he's a liar. Let me correct that for you. <laughs> 
And then she like ran me through like the stuff that she was actually traceable that was traceable. And I've now seen documentation and things like that that back this up. But it rearranges like, I mean, I'm not ungrateful for the story that my granddad told me because it was about a very powerful single grand you know my great grandmother and like stuff like that so like i was like i'm from strong black women you know that kind of thing it was there (laughs) and not to say that i'm not still from strong black women because i am but now i know the actual stories not the not the one that he you know painted a picture for but i i decided to do the african ancestry because i you know that was where my biggest curiosity lied and african ancestry is more expensive, but they have 35,000 ethnicity markers for the continent. And Which to me, it makes it so much It's more harder, yeah, direct. It's it yeah, is. You know exactly what you are. And for mine, my letter came back and it took four and a half months. And it was like my uncle had to spit in the tube for me. I paid for it and whatever. And I was getting antsy as the months went by. I was like, fuck, this is taking forever. Um, but when I got back and that letter said, with 100% confidence, we have been able to determine that you are from the Atike, the Sogo, and the Kota people of Gabon. One, I was like, I didn't expect, I, I was going into it like fully thinking it wasn't going to adjust my identity in any way, shape, or form. And a year later, I could say it really didn't adjust my identity. But now that I have that bridge to Africa, now I know that if I get a chance to pilgrimage, I could actually go to land that potentially an ancestor walked on. You know, I might walk into, and like, like you said, I'm combing through pictures of like Coda people and stuff like that. And I'm looking for facial structures that are similar to my dad or, or his family. Exactly. And and you're just sitting there just like, what if I go there and there's actual relatives? Like, I would never know. Obviously, you would never know because right, we, just, you're not walking around like DNA like- pricking <laughs> people's fingers like, I need to see if we're related. But, you know, just the <laughs> chance to know that, like, I could brush shoulders with somebody who shares an ancestral connection with me. Absolutely. It did really adjust things. And so now, like, now versus having, like, a vague, all in encompassing let me learn everything i can about west africa idea i'm now i'm able to kind of pinpoint and be like i'm gonna look into um gabonese culture and the you know stuff like that things that i've found out is like gabon wasn't even part of the slave trade until the last decade so then i have this like oh my gosh we almost made it but we didn't you know um so there's all this stuff i really want to do this now no i think it's worth like yeah i know that the money is I know that the price tag is heavy, but my my thing about it was, one, I was supporting a black business, so boom, that's a big plus for me. Check. And two, it wasn't white people telling me where I was from. That's a big right. check for me. And then two, it was just like, what I have said since I was little, uh, or at least a preteen or something, was I, I can't say that I'm African-American because I don't have a bridge to Africa. Uh, I'm 41 as fuck. I'm not going to change that mentality, probably. Like, I, right. I, I think of myself as black. I don't think of myself as African-American. But now I can at least say I'm black from Gabonese heritage, like, ancestry. Right, right. And that does actually adjust my mentality about where we're from like you know i'm never i'm probably never gonna know what ship any of my ancestors came over on or or maybe all of the plantations that they may have been bought and sold for before they ended up where they ended up but at least i have pieces of the puzzle there and i can fill in the narrative that makes sense to me through that so in that respect it was huge for me because ancestry because when i got impatient (laughs) for african ancestry i did finally just bite the bullet and i was like all right fine there's a mother's day sale or some shit on (laughs) on uh, Ancestry.com. I'll go ahead and do it. And so I did it and it had painted. So what Ancestry does and maybe 23andMe does too is that it'll it'll detect that you might have Bantu ethnicity. 
And the Bantu people started all the way in Kenya, migrated down to South Africa, and then worked their way up the Western coast up until West Africa. And so those of us who get like the ancestry come back sub-Saharan African, number one, you know how fucking big sub-Saharan African is? It's, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that until it said that's what we were. And, it's like, literally three-fourths of the continent. <laughs> that is so stressful. <laughs> yeah. And then to go to be, to be um, derived from a, a nomadic tribe, you can you can zero into the Bantu, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know where your people came from because you right, don't know at right. what point they became Bantu and what point they became other things, you know. And so like my ancestry dot com had like basically it was like Ghana, Ivory Coast, Cameroon nigeria you know boom 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 like all of these western african places and then to actually find out that once they actually had a marker for my genetic group i was actually central african not western african um and but it but we share but i do share dna markers with certain peoples because those people started in kenya worked their way down came back up got through gabon and then worked their way up north so yeah i do share genetic markers with those folks but specifically through african ancestry i was able to find out it was gabon and these particular people you're making it I like I hope that I hope that they hear that I've been talking about African ancestry for like the last year and that maybe they um, start advertising on my show or something because I'm like, like, for me, it's a real ass thing. Like I can sit here and be my own commercial for it. It's because (laughs) I I've been able to do research from it. I'm excited about that. I discovered that one of the three tribes was a polygamous tribe, which touches my heart because I'm polyamorous. And so I'm like, oh, maybe on a genetic level, I'm inclined towards multiple loves instead of one, you know, maybe. Oh, my gosh, that's so amazing, though, because you get to connect with that. Like, I think that's like the biggest thing for me is like being able to be proud of it because you connect with it so much Mm -hmm. where it was like I was so excited to do this podcast because I like connected with it so much was like I'm talking about being mixed and someone else does. But like to be able to have that and go back and be able to tell people about it and like Right. She It'll be so here much forever. Excitement towards it compared to just being like, oh, I did 23andMe where like I'm in the position where it's like I found out we're like sub-Saharan, but uh, like, there's like three other places that we could be from. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like It does zero in, but at the same time, it gave me more answers than what it did. But at the same time, like I'm still kind of stuck where I don't really know what I should be looking for. So I'm definitely going to look into that. Yeah. Maybe I'll be a graduation present. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's and and like it was something that really like at the time I chose to do it, I probably financially wasn't the smartest move in terms of the timing because I was kind of broke at that time but it was so much heavily on my mind I needed to do it and I don't regret I don't regret spending the money even though like it in a real sense what has it given me anything tangible no but what but it has given me something that gives me a path of like a decision what am I gonna do am I gonna do some research and try to figure out more about the people that I come from make connections and I think that actually is really healing especially for those of us who are mixed because like we're so often we feel like we're not enough of anything and really (laughs) how we should be looking at it is we're so awesome that we are all kinds of things. Right. But because right. of whatever happens to us in our youth or whatever, you know, like our first interactions with racism is someone zeroing in on what we should think is special about us, but telling us it's negative. That shit gets in there. Even as you try to not let it you get in there. You try so hard to. And that's it gets like, in there. When I like growing up, that was the message. When I like would have a bad day or someone would say something, it was always, you should be so blessed to be able to have 
both sides of your story. Like you get to have mom and dad and it's not just two white parents or two black parents where it's you get to experience both sides. So you can connect with different people. You can understand different struggles and different stories. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like you should be so proud to be who you are because not many people and well, the world is changing <laughs> where we have a lot more mixed race. But like at the time, like where I was from, like growing up, like I didn't have people to relate to that besides my sister. Like I didn't right. have that relationship. And like I have one family on my dad's side who's also the same situation mm. where it's um, it's a brother and sister and they're mixed. And like those are the only other ones that like I knew growing up. But like. I think the biggest thing for me was just being able to like kind of change my thought process. And I feel like that's what this podcast does where it's like you have those hard days, especially like growing up, like I'm nowhere near being an, a, <laughs> a full-time adult. I say like I, like, I pay bills and I'm like struggling, but like I'm not my parents, you know? And like, I think it's nice to hear the perspective of people who have gone through it like before me and people mm-hmm. that are going through it now. And like, you can relate to that because it is a struggle. It's a struggle for me at least every day right now, just because it's like, you're competing with yourself and you're comparing yourself to others in your head because it's like I wake up and like I'll compare myself to my sister where it's like I'm like Olivia you need to stop doing that like it's not like mm-hmm. people aren't gonna see it that way but I feel like you have those struggles growing up where like someone will say something to you at the lunch table or mm-hmm. I had I, I think I told you this when we kind of talked before where um I had a girl I ran track um I ran track in college and then transferred schools and I had a girl tell me one time at a high school track meet that the only reason that she was white by the way the only reason that I was fast and I was like winning stuff was because my dad was black and the only reason I was in honors classes was because my mom was white yeah and so it's stuff like that where it's like you have these big things along the way like that was in high school and like it sticks with you but I also think you have to listen to these podcast and kind of figure out who you are and like maybe look at your ancestor to be like I'm proud to be mixed Mm -hmm. one yeah when you told me that that stuck with me heavy I even like driving to the movies with my husband later on I was like and then she told me you know and it's not like we don't hear these stories but you know when you get when you have a face telling you and it's real it's a human moment and you're just like fuck I hate people yes it's so infuriating that this is a thing that happens and more than that like I can't help that I've become somewhat of a protective like mixed auntie to all the folks who come to my (laughs) show because I'm just like I know that I went through it but when I hear it, you know, that y'all have gone through it, I'm like, no, I need to be there to, you know, like, I, I think that's the thing is like, you, I think when my dad had said that, like, no one can make you feel inferior, which it's one of the things that we always go back to. But I think him saying it at that point in time in my life was you can listen to our stories and you can help us along the way, but it's inevitably it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to happen. And like, that's the struggle of being mixed. That's the struggle of being a person of any color Mm -hmm. in this country. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's just the challenges that we face. Like I, I guess my biggest thing too is like, I don't know how you can live in this world and see the police brutality that's happening, the challenges that black people go through and not identify with that in some way, just Mm -hmm. because like to me, like I see that, like that could be my dad, you know, like right. I see it that way. And like, that's how I identify. And I think I wish that we all had a little bit of mix in us because you'd be able to identify with some portion of that because I was having a conversation with someone who was white and they just didn't get it. Like they just didn't understand why I was so upset. It never makes sense to me that people can't get it either. And, uh, and I'm it, like, how do you not comprehend that? Like, yeah. The stuff that's happening is not okay. Like, because as humans, we should be empathetic, right? We shouldn't need yes. to 
we shouldn't necessarily need to actually visualize ourselves in that situation, or we shouldn't necessarily need to think that because I'm mixed with so-and-so, I'm also, you know, empathetic to this. I feel like just at a human level, you should just be like, I don't want to be killed by the police. I don't want other people to be killed by the police. You know, like you shouldn't need all this extra stuff that makes it more personal to you for you to actually care. And yet by human nature, it's, it's a way that we, we are. That's where that privilege comes into where it's like, you never had to think about it. So why would it be different? Yeah. It's so baffling. And it's, I mean, it's infuriating that it's even a thing, but, um, Every time I hear someone where they're just like, well, what's the big deal? Or racism, like the people who actually think racism is racism over because we had Barack Obama as president or whatever. Um, and Barack Obama was mixed, by the way. Can yeah. We can we, can like, we stop talking about him being the Mariah first black Perry, president? Yeah. Barack Obama, Zendaya, Key and Peele, both of them are mixed. Mm-hmm. Like we just had um, Halle Berry. Was, it was like the Miss America, the teen. Mm, yeah, yeah. I might get this wrong. But I think, I believe two out of the three were mixed. Oh, really? I and thought like, one was, yeah. but I didn't know for sure. That was just I off of know. visuals. I, I'm pretty sure that two out of the three, I've mm. seen some, um, like one of the parents, but um, people that are listening don't. Don't, don't correct me on that. <laughs> I know that at least one for You're sure. You're like, don't at me. I know. Yeah, I really don't. Um, But... Like, even with that, like, why are we not celebrating our mixedness? Like, I don't understand it. You have all of these famous people where it's like Barack Obama, first black president. Well, he's also mixed. Like, he's half one and half. Honestly, he's legitimately the first African-American president, not the first black president, because his his black is African, not generations of American black. So I like that's something that I will like I've I've isolated myself in some of my relationships because of this it's it's a it's a different situation with that but i just feel like in the same at the same time it's also like i've heard people say it in a positive way where like you have a lot of black people are like yeah that's their first black president but i've also seen people in like a negative way where like they'll take it out and like take it out of context and be like well he's mixed with this Mm -hmm. or he's not full whatever i need it to be a full-ass positive that he is a mixed race yeah and not only that he's mixed race, but that he is also the son of an of an immigrant and things like that, because that's a very American thing as well. Like, I right. think that's what I'm so confused is people get so offended by these mixed race and all that stuff. And it's like we are literally like I know, like the classic like melting pot is like we're going shying away from that. But like, I how are people not mixed with more stuff? Like, we're yeah. so proud to like identify with like our immigrant parents and like coming over and struggling and like all of these different things. And it's like because you happen to be mixed with black and white or whatever you may be mixed with, it's not seen as a positive. Like that's so bizarre to me. It it almost makes me on the, on those moments when I'm feeling a little petty, which I, I have, I have an like, I admire pettiness. I just don't have the skill set to be as petty as like the internet want makes me want to be. Uh, but there's times when someone looks at me and I can see that they're looking down on me for not being a pure blood or some bullshit. And, um, and I'll want to turn to them and be like, Oh, yeah, it's so sad that you're only one thing. How boring was your childhood? You know, like, I want to do that sometimes not all like it's not my whole thing but it is there's certain people moments where you're like Mm, yeah you're like yeah that's so i'm sorry for you like yeah uh because there's stupid things that people say to you that sound positive but are you know uh othering or or racist you know where they're like oh you're so lucky it's like you have the best of both worlds which i think is what's triggered us talking about that the the stupid girl with the the track comment um Number one, just oh the gosh. the ignorance. Like you can only be smart if you're white. 
Um, excuse yeah, me, the, right. some of the most brilliant people on the planet that right now, if you look at them, are not all white. Like, most of them aren't. Um, a lot of them are in India and Asia and stuff right. like that. Like, like come on. Like, let's <laughs> calm down with that that thing. It's impossible for you to be in honors unless you're white. Okay, let's 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 calm down. Um, the track thing, I mean, I'm kind of mad at. Yes, there is genetically fast, faster mu- muscle twitch fibers that black people do have that, you know, most white people don't or whatever but that doesn't necessarily mean you would be talented at track just because you're part black right there's black people who aren't talented at track so you know again let's calm down (laughs) um but so unnecessary and like i mean i've had questions where people be like oh well you're not good at math but you're japanese and then when i was younger i would make a i would my my reflex defensive comment was i'm japanese i'm into robots not math and then again i was doing my own racist thing because i was i was taking yeah whatever their stereotype they are having i was mad that they stereotyped me as the wrong kind of asian and then i end up saying some stupid ignorant stuff in reply because i'm like you got the asian wrong (laughs) you know like we have a um it's so messy like speaking to that like just being mixed in general because i i feel like what we kind of said before where like you notice other people's struggles like any person of color like Mm -hmm. any type of minority that to me like is not white um but we had this girl that i went to school with in high school and she was born in china and like her parents moved over here and i remember like around high schoolish like everybody like her friend group like they started calling her asian all the time like Mm. they never called her her name it was so it was so bizarre to me because to me i feel like I don't know if it's the mixed mixed side coming out in me. I don't know if it's just like a decent human being, mm-hmm. <laughs> like noticing that it was negative. Yeah, but it was just so bizarre to me because it was all of these white friends calling her Asian. They weren't even calling her a name. Like that's they'd be like, "Oh, hey, we're gonna go hang out with Asian today," and it was like, yeah. "You're like degrading someone literally to just what they are. Like that's not who she is. Like that's a part of her, you know." And it was just so bizarre because it was like I identified with that because I was like, "What do they call me behind my back?" Right. You know? Exactly. And I didn't really hang out with them after that. But it was just like, to this day, like if we, if I see them, like if I come back to my parents' hometown and I'll see them or one of them will text something or say something on social media. It's like, oh, oh, like, hey, like me and Asian or like me and Asian doing this. And it's like, oh, they're still doing it. Yeah. As like a white person, like that is privilege. Like you should do that ever, but they think it's okay. That's actually one thing I really kind of loved about the show. Um, my crazy ex-girlfriend is that they referred to the white Josh as white Josh and the other Josh was just Josh. The Asian Josh was just Josh because I was like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was so like, it's just one of those things. It's it's so, those rare moments in which you can turn something around against, um, against the ignorance. It, uh, it feels yes. good, but we are coming close to the end of the, of the show. So before we wrap up though, I would like to ask, with all the feelings that you're you have now and you're going through your mixed journey and placing yourself in your identity, what is the thing that you do love most about being mixed? Um I love the new things that I'm starting to notice. Um just kind of like being comfortable in who I am. I've noticed lately um on my dad's side we say like auntie or aunt and on my mom's side we say aunt. Um, <laughs> And just, like, being, like, super excited and kind of, like, giddy to, like, recognize it and, like, be proud of it because, like, that's part of being mixed and, like, my mixed journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, I don't know, kind of, like, connecting with different people along the way. 
and being confident in that and knowing that my dad's side is black and my mom is white, but I don't have to prove myself to either side. Right. And hopefully with my sister is an awesome hype man, but (laughs) hype woman, I should say, but, um, I think just like recognizing that, that you are mixed, but that's not just who you are, but it is a big part of your story and getting good people along the way that want you to feel proud of that and like who you are. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and to have those couple conversations that we've had so far. I think um, they're, I think they're all healing for all of us at any level. I mean, I'm still talking to people that are 10 to 15 years older than me that are still going through trying to figure out what their identity is. So it's, you know, um, it's, it's a journey no matter what age and what time that we are in our life to um, understand and feel comfortable in our identity. But I'm glad that you're on the path for it and, you know, doing everything you can to be your mixed ass self. (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Honestly, I just hope that someone out there listening to any of your podcasts can relate to anything that they've been struggling with. Yeah, I think they absolutely will. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.